0: This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is.
1: This is without question the most comfortable red sweater I've had on in six years. Uh, th- playoffs? What are you doing with a school bag on stage? You can't even read. If I don't eat breakfast, I'll f***ing pistol. And it's a deep to left check. Andrew Jones on the run. This one has a chance. Come around. Come on. Reverses it. And the pass goes into the end zone. To Nick and Foles. it's a touchdown by Nick Foles but inside, it's Messi! Oh, oh, no. out on the field. Winner, winner, chicken and waffle dinner! How's everyone doing? Let's make some noise, come on! Baseball season, Sweet 16. You can now review penalties in the NFL. Ladies and gentlemen, this... Is the almost world famous Wide Open Sportscast recording on Wednesday, March 27th, on the eve of the start of the baseball season. And this sweet 16, what a time to be alive. You can find us, the wide open sports cast on Twitter at wide open underscore sports. And don't forget to find us on SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, and tune in at the Wide Open SportsCast. I am Feds. And joining me, as always, we first have none other than the man in the Mets hat, Rick Cool. How you doing, Rick?
0: Good, man. Just getting ready for baseball season. Gonna gonna be a blast this year. Be a blast.
1: Yeah, dude. Definitely, definitely looking forward to it. I know, Rick, that baseball is one of your big sports. So, I'm sure you're really (laughs) excited to get into some stuff on America's Pastime.
0: Yeah, man. I can't wait.
1: And then... Also joining us, as always, is none other than the Goose, Joe Gleason. Glee, how you doing over there?
2: Hey, how you doing, friends? Paul, how's it going? Good to be back, gentlemen.
1: Of course, dude. Ready for some Braves baseball, my friend?
2: I am, actually. I'm curious to see how the Young Bucks do. Um, I grew up in the 90s, loving the Braves, and we had. Have- a few tough seasons, right? right uh, brutal. The Phillies and the Mets both had some success, while the Braves were brutal. So hopefully, these young guys can turn it around. I mean,
1: I'm not really gonna mention much about turning around or being excited. We're def- we're defending world champs, baby. Um, obviously, for those of you who've been listening to the podcast for a while, almost closing in on two years in our 50th episode already. There, uh, Mr. Rick. Uh, you all know that I am a living, breathing Boston Red Sox fan. Rick being a member of the New York Mets faithful and Joe Gleason out in Atlanta with the Braves. So, boys, what do you say? Are we ready to jump into it?
0: Yeah, man. I've been wanting to talk about baseball for a
1: while. So, <clears throat> what do we want to start with, boys? I'll leave the option to you. Do we want to start... With some baseball, or do we want to go into the Sweet 16?
0: Uh, why don't we jump into Sweet 16?
1: All right. Sweet. So, we will start today. Great choice there, Rick. With the Sweet 16. And, boys, was that a heart attack on a bun for Duke or what, sir? I shouldn't say heart attack on a bun. A heart attack in a taco shell.
0: Man, that was... That was one of the most exciting games I've seen in a lot of I mean I mean you always expect that at some point hopefully toward the end but to get it in, see it that early in this butt in this uh, bracket was a lot of fun to see that game and also the LSU game is a is a lot of fun as well uh, over nothing in LSU I could be wrong there
1: LSU, they defeated Maryland.
0: The LSU game was pretty fun as well, so I had fun watching that one as well.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like it's weird with this tournament. So I remember when we did our picks last week, um, there was a lot of chalky picks, I think we were saying. It's weird. We were like, where's the upset going to happen? Where's the upset going to happen? And... Being completely honest besides for a few outliers here or there you know Oregon going past Wisconsin a lot of people had that a lot of people had Liberty advancing a lot of people picked UC Irvine there wasn't really a Cinderella story so far yet this year even though you know you have Oregon in the sweet 16 as the 12 seed the longest uh, the latest team to make it out of the 12 seed and definitely the lowest seed left everything else is pretty much one two three and four when you look at these brackets you look at the region the west with gonzaga you got gonzaga michigan texas tech florida state one through four um so i definitely think that that was a little strange um rick you said your game of the tournament so far glee if you had to give me game of the tournament so far who do you say
2: I'll be thinking it through. Uh, that Auburn-New Mexico State game, uh, right around 2, two 3 o'clock, is it beautiful. It's exactly what you want on the first day. I had Auburn. I actually lost minus six there, but in my bracket, I still had them. That was a great game. Um, I'm trying to, So the thing about this tournament this year that I've noticed, there hasn't been too many buzzer beaters. Have you guys seen any? I think I saw one in the first half. First half buster beater this past weekend. Have you guys seen any?
0: No. Well, L- LSU scored a layup, making it 69 six, with like a 1.9 left on the clock, one second and 1.9 seconds on the clock. Gotcha. Oh,
2: sure. Yeah, like- other than that, I guess it's been, but yeah, like you said, it's been chalk. I mean, um, we'll get into chalk later, but. Uh, yeah, nothing really I mean, besides obviously the obvious like you guys have been talking about, the Duke Game's just been the best. Nothing else but the first two days really stands out to me. Uh I guess the one game that just happened in the uh round of thirty two was Tennessee was up big against Iowa.
1: I was gonna get into that big, next, yeah.
2: And they were up big about and I got I got Iowa at like plus twelve and a half and they came back and tied it up and then it went to overtime, but yeah, that, that was another exciting game we haven't seen more any has it's really been I, mean, I don't want to say it's been bad because the games are you know it's still good quality games and you know the teams are competing but there hasn't really been and we talked about this on the podcast last week where you looked at the brackets and you didn't really see a, a Cinderella uh, so to speak you saw teams that maybe you don't necessarily think of but getting a lot of respect like Wolford as a seven seed. Over Seton Hall
1: at ten. I- yeah, Glee there. Too much respect, but what's that? There you were the only one who took Wofford. Rick and I both had
2: Seton Hall no, and we're I had Seton big Hall.
1: dogs on Seton Hall. I thought you had uh Wafford too. No,
2: that's what I'm saying. It's it, it, like even like People were saying, oh, Walford's a Cinderella, Walford's a Cinderella. I'm like, going into it, I'm like, well, first off, I don't know if they're Cinderella because I, I think Seton Hall beats them, but they were a better seed. They were 7-10. to 10. Like, you can't be a Cinderella, in my opinion, and be a 7 seed unless unless you make the dance, you know, and, you, and you're a 7 or worse.
1: No, I agree, and that's why I would say, like, arguably the only real Cinderella right now is Oregon, but, I mean, other than Wisconsin, it's not like they had a big upset in the next round. They beat UC Irvine, who was a 13 seed.
2: Well, Oregon's got a big-time player, and they, they – I forget his name, but he's a big-time player, and they also had a, had a favorable matchup. I like that 5-12 matchup they got, and I for who did they beat in the second round? Um, who, uh, Oregon? Yeah. I, I don't know. Irvine. I just UC Irvine. Again, so it wasn't like they had to necessarily topple a giant to get to Sweet 16 in the second round. You know,
1: no, beat. not at all.
2: So, uh, no, I like – I actually picked Oregon – We'll get into that later um, for the region winners, um, but yeah, it was
1: good stuff. Yeah, so Rick, I'm gonna let you lead into this. I'm gonna give you the first hot take of the episode here. The Duke Blue Devils will not make the Final Four. Rick, opinion?
0: Uh, even though my bracket is complete trash at this point, I still think the Duke Blue, do the Duke Blue Devils will make the final four. I don't think it's that outlandish that they cannot beat Michigan and they cannot beat whoever else is next. I think they're going to the championship and winning 100%. But I don't think it's a hot. – I'm not taking that hot take and saying the Duke Blue Devils are not
1: making it to the championship game at least. Reasons why, if you had to give me one.
0: Uh, I just feel like their their roster is arguably the most stacked in the in the bracket right now, as well as their coach, I mean, has been there a billion times, so he knows how to do it. And finally, Michigan State is their their next target that they have to face. I don't think they would be that I would, they would be that afraid of them, even though they are the number two. In their, in their bracket. I don't think they should be that afraid of
1: them. All right, very well put. Rick Lee, what do you think on my hot take before I get into my reasons? Duke will not make the Final Four. Agree or disagree?
2: Well, I disagree. I think what showed me in that first game was, and, and, and really the second game, is Duke obviously doesn't have the sh- and discipline to withstand tight games, that's how they win every game, regardless of who they've—they've they've never been. You know, it's not—it's not the thing about Duke is everyone's making a big deal about their three-point shooting, but it's not like it's dried up. It was never there to begin with, so I don't really count that against them, considering how dominant they've been in other ways. I mean, they just took down. Really, if you looked across the landscape of the bracket, the only team that could really pack it in as well as they did was UCF. You know they have a guy's what 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 is he seven seven taco
1: seven yes
2: yeah. and he's and but but as a defense they packed it in and they just forced Duke to take shots outside and so if a team like that can't do it and it's not like you know Duke still beat them going against them so see them, I still the think... only team that upset them is, no. is UNC it's the only team
1: see I still think that. I mean, honestly, boys, right now, in my opinion, if the guys from UCF don't throw that failed alley-oop and Dawkins, you know, takes a layup or he converts that alley-oop to go up six with a minute left, I think we're having a totally different conversation right now. Um, my reasoning why I don't think they're going to make it is... So, Glee, you are correct, I do believe, in saying that they have the... They've gotten... Probably the best team that has a chance as far as the way they play, out of the way. You're not going to see another guy who's seven-6 who's going to match up with Zion like that again for the rest of the tournament. I do agree with you on that. But what UCF did was bizarre, but it worked, and I will be stunned if coaches like Tom Izzo and Michigan State if they run into them in the elite eight, um, if they don't take this strategy. They literally left whoever the fifth person was on the court. You obviously have you have Cam, you have R.J. Barrett, you got Zion, and then you got Trey Jones at the point. So then you'll have like Delorier or somebody in there as the fifth man. They left him wide the hell open. They didn't even guard him because they let that guy, whoever's supposed to be guarding him, double Zion or double... RJ Barrett because I think we've talked about even though Cam Reddish had a good game against UCF he's the more underwhelming of the big three that Duke have they left a guy wide open just let him dribble and shoot and do whatever and I think he had two points so Rick this is where I'm going to disagree I'm going to agree with what you say as far as stacked as they have the best three superstars they have Cam Reddish, they got Zion Williamson, they have R.J. Barrett. Doesn't get better than that as far as your big three players. But after that, maybe Trey Jones a little bit. I don't see anything else for this Duke team. And that's why I think that they're going to struggle is they don't have the depth. And Zion's been playing off of, you know, that injury where he broke through his shoe. Roll, even rolled his ankles a few times in the, uh, the last game. And the other thing building off their three-point shooting with Glee saying that, um, you know, their three-point shooting, it's not like it faded. It wasn't existent. How do you know Michigan State doesn't get up 10? How's Duke going to shoot themselves back into a game? Even, say, their next round with Virginia Tech. Granted, I, is, uh, do I think Virginia Tech's beating them? No. Virginia Tech beat them without Zion, and a Duke team without Zion was very vulnerable. But if they get to the Elite Eight i'm taking michigan state because i think they'll figure a way out of it and michigan state's a good shooting team do can't shoot themselves back into a game boys i think they'd be in trouble um what do you guys think
0: I i mean i it's hard to me to argue that but also at this point we're arguing hypotheticals so until that happens i i haven't seen proof where they can or cannot in this tournament and I know they've been down big in the in the season and gotten their way back in big games before. So it's like they haven't—they've been a light year ahead of every single every single team and every single game they played this year. They've had their times and struggled and they've been able to fight back. So I think I mean you you can argue that if Virginia Tech yet just shooting threes and on the college level. Making over 65% of those threes, then yeah, I mean, yeah, Virginia Tech's going to win. But I don't see Virginia Tech just going off like that, landing threes.
1: No, I, I, I think honestly, Rick, any team if you're going to shoot 65% from three, I think you're going to be in trouble, no matter who the opponent is.
0: Yeah. So, I, they would have. I think they would have to have one of the greatest. Basketball games of all time. Not not just NCAA, but basketball games of all time if they're going to be shooting threes like that and defeating Duke by 10, 12-plus.
1: No, Rick, I I definitely agree with you there. And I think you got into one of my things about how they have fought back, and you have to look at a lot of these losses were done without Zion. There's only one team in the country who has beaten – Duke at full strength can anybody name that team
2: I can Who is I can't bing. buzz buzz uh, those are the Gonzaga Bulldogs
1: yes the Gonzaga Bulldogs are the only team to defeat Duke at full strength in the mouth and the only reason
2: is because that Steve Eastburn's father is the doctor for Gonzaga.
1: that is correct <laughs> that's a, is he- what was that Rick is he still?
2: I don't know. doesn't matter. He was. And he laid the foundation for their medical and physical excellence. Fact.
1: Hmm. Yes, for those of you that don't know, our good friend Steve from uh, college, <coughs> his dad was the team doctor for Gonzaga University for basketball. He met John Stockton on multiple occasions, which is really, really cool. Um, and so from there, before we move into where we're going to go next, because obviously this is a big you know, tournament talking about Duke and how well they can do going forward. Are they going to make it? Or are they not? You guys gave some great picks there. I'm still standing by the fact that I do not believe that they're going to make the Sweet 16, and I am not being... Um, I mean the uh, Final Four. And I am not being biased because hundreds of dollars in bracket pools depend on Michigan State beating Duke, so I'm not trying to turn any financial bias there or anything. But, boys, throughout, throughout the first round, who were some teams you really liked and who do we really see getting into the Final Four here? Uh, Rick, who do you think?
0: Uh, I, I think it's been the most consistent team I feel like, so I, I definitely see that going all the way to the championship. Uh, that And then I really don't have anyone else. My biggest disappointment would probably be Villanova. I thought they were going a lot farther.
1: Agreed. Yeah, definitely agree with you on that. Definitely a disappointment. I I have a bunch of Villanova fans at work, and they were saying they didn't think Nova was going to go that far. They said maybe the Sweet 16 was just a matter of when, but they didn't think it was going to hit the fan that bad. I mean, that wasn't even close. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't know what happened there. Losing by that much to Purdue? I mean, Purdue's a good team, but they'll know. I mean, they, they didn't have the star power like they did in the past few years, but come on. Losing, like, 20-plus there? Jesus.
1: I mean, this is what I'm going to say. You usually, for me, stay away from Purdue and Iowa State. Because Purdue and Iowa State always find a way to F up your bracket somehow. Especially Iowa State. But I thought this year they're actually going to do it because they were playing an Ohio State team that, in my opinion, had no business in being in the tournament in the first place. And then Purdue also was a big letdown last year, and I was like, all right, they're not going to you know, go any further. I think they'll lose to Nova. Nova still had um, Haskell, still had Booth. They still had some good players. Nova will compete. And let's just say I picked the wrong, and Iowa State got knocked out by Ohio State in the first round. And Purdue obviously is now a Sweet 16 team. Rick, any comments on Seton Hall before we go to Glee? Uh.
0: I'm sorry I trusted you so much.
1: Nick Lim is disappointed in you. He texted me saying he supported about how much we uh, were pulling for Seton Hall. But, Nick, we are sorry. We may have jinxed you there. Uh, Glee, uh, favorite teams going forward into the Final Four? Who you like and who's a disappointment for you?
2: Uh, well, we've talked about disappointments already. I mean, Villanova Huge disappointment. I mean, if we look at my Elite Eight that I picked, Buffalo is another one. So I have six of my eight potential Elite Eights still in play. Um, I guess I'll go region by region. For the East, it really comes down, I think Michigan State and Duke handle their business, and it comes down to the two of them. Uh, I think Duke comes out on top in the East. In the West, it's kind of funny. You have, I don't trust Michigan uh, at all. So I'm going to go – yeah, I think TT, Texas Tech, will handle them. That Gonzaga-Florida State game is going to be a very good game on the 28th. But, yeah, tomorrow, it's going to be a really good game. I think Gonzaga pulls it out, but we'll have to see. So that – the West is, to me, is the most wide open with those four teams. Uh, Second most wide open is the South. So many people love Virginia, and I don't I don't know how or why. Uh, I mean, they play great. I love defense, but to me, they just don't have the play. I, I picked Oregon. Um, I, I have Virginia going to the Elite Eight, but if I'm betting, you know, when I'm filling out my bracket, it's a little different than when I play game by game. And having seen a few games, I, I think Oregon's offense, they're for real. You know, they were hot coming into the tournament. They've remained hot. I think they Virginia wants to slow to slow things down, and I don't think they're going to be able to slow Oregon down.
1: Virginia is not a team that's going to shoot themselves back into a game. No,
2: and well, not at all. And if they, and I, that's how why I was surprised in the first round they did get back into the game because they did actually shoot themselves to a
1: 16 seed again.
2: Oh man, I was loving that. That would have been great. So I'm I'm hoping Oregon wins there because I think. Going back to what I'm saying, I don't think Virginia matches up against Purdue or Tennessee, both teams that can score. I mean, we saw what Tennessee did. I, Iowa's a great defensive team. I mean, the Big Ten is very good. So for Tennessee to put up a ton of points, then go down, you know, for a little but then be able to come back and win. I, I think, you know, Virginia, regardless, I think the winner is either Tennessee or Oregon out of there. But We'll see. And then, like I said, the Midwest is a lot like the East. I think North Carolina comes out on top. Uh, zero respect for a state game, but Houston. Houston, I do like Houston a lot. I'm, I'm curious that Houston Kentucky game is going to be some good stuff, um, just because Houston could score. But I want to see them do it against you know some real athletes on the big stage. So that'll be that'll be a great game.
1: Yeah. I I like a lot of your picks there. Um, I'm going to ask you for a betting thing in a second before we move into the new NFL rule. Um, I'm still going to stick with State in the um, Dukes region because I still don't believe that. I think State is deeper, and they're going to figure a way. Um, I think Izzo will be able to scheme it out. So I'm still taking State there, and I'm still taking Michigan. There will be a Michigan rivalry game in the final four. We will have Michigan-Michigan State round four. Hawk, hawk,
2: hawk,
1: hawk. All right, what you got, Michigan.
2: So Michigan State is actually plus 250 to win the East region. Duke is minus 160. So Michigan State, very, very, very favorable that bet there. I don't mind that bet there, again, because it's going to come down to that, and you can always hedge when you come back to that game. Uh, Gonzaga is only minus 125, so they're a smaller favorite than Duke. However, Michigan is plus 300 to win, so they they have a longer shot to win their region than Michigan State does. Real quick, I guess if I was a betting man for each of the regions, I would take North Carolina at plus 115. Um, again, I don't like it. I would take Virginia at minus 140. But then I would take Oregon twelve to one just to make sure that one of those two teams wins, you can come out really hefty. And then as I just mentioned in the East, I would take Duke minus one sixty and Gonzaga minus one twenty five. But as Fed said, plus three hundred plus three to one for Michigan and two and a half to one for Michigan State. If you're a fan and you're betting with your heart, those are two great teams to roll with.
1: Just so everyone knows what you just I, heard. Um, that is Gleason's new call. The Goose honks if he has some betting advice. So well done there, Glee. Um, so I'm still taking Michigan State and Michigan. I'm going to take Tennessee still uh, out of Virginia's bracket. I don't think if Virginia gets past Oregon, I don't think they're going to get through Tennessee or Purdue for the same reasons you gave Glee. And then I am still picking, in my opinion, the your national champion will be North Carolina. So, Glee. Before we get into the NFL, one more honk for you here. North Carolina plus seven fifty to win a national
2: championship. What do you think? North Carolina plus. So, they're seven and a half to one.
1: Yeah, seven and a half to one.
2: I would just stay away from it, to be honest with you. Um, as a bet, if I was a betting man, I would stay away, just because seven to one. So many things can happen over a three-game stretch. You're bet you're better off just taking them at the region at plus one fifteen. So instead of them having to win both region games and then win their final four and then win, you can get them at the plus one fifteen, make some money, and then take your winnings and then throw it on. Instead of seven to one, it'll still be they They'll still be like three to four to one odds uh, when they get to the final four. So I I, I would stay away from – really, I would stay away from – I would stick with my region uh, bets. It it eliminates the variables, but the payouts are still pretty juicy.
1: Great advice there, Goose. Thank you. So uh, with that, boys, Rick, why don't you lead us into the new NFL rule that we are going to discuss for a few minutes before we jump into some baseball. Rick, what is that new controversial rule that was agreed upon at the owners' meeting?
0: So the NFL owners approved the new rule making pass interference reviewable. Now, we talked about this uh, pretty regularly between two weeks on this podcast that they shouldn't do it. It did happen uh, in a way I completely understand because in the playoffs... I mean, obviously, there's two big blown calls. Obviously, once everyone knows the one between the Rams and the Saints, not many people talk about the pass interference call that should have been called against the Patriots in the Super Bowl that led to that interception uh, from that bomb that uh, Jared Goff threw. So it was two crucial points in two of the biggest games of the year where pass interference should have been called and was not called. Um, I still don't like it. I I think by doing so many reviews by so many things being able to be renewed, reviewed now, it takes a lot of the human element out of the game, which is why, like, for example, in baseball, people said for a few years now they should just go to electronic umpires to call what a strike and what not a strike is a.k.a. Ball, and I completely completely disagree with that, as well as, going back, I completely disagree with this, just because it's going to slow down the game. It's not going to be as... I wouldn't say it's going to take so much out of the game, but it'll definitely be noticed, at least within the first few years. I mean, generally, rules will stay around for a long enough time where... Eventually, we just have to get used to them. But sometimes, these rules, they get reversed. I don't think this one will get reversed, but I can only pray that it might. Um, that's all I pretty much have to say about that. It's, I don't like that there's so many reviews. Like I said, so many reviews that take away the human element of the game. So, that's my thing on that.
1: And especially for a game that already lasts three and a half hours. Um, yeah. Well, not about
0: about three hours.
1: So, like
0: I I that's in in so many sports people are talking about these young millennials that don't have the attention span to watch sports anymore. This is gonna extend that, it's gonna bore them. I'm watching the same clip over and over again, listening to Joe Buck and Troy Aikman talking about how that was or was not a pass interference call. And then Watching one of the coaches flip out saying that was or was not a pass interference call
1: And I think we can all agree that listening to Joe Buck and Troy Aikman talk is already as Boring as it needs to be without extra replays or anything like that uh, Glee what's your take on the new rule?
2: So my biggest thing is you know, I want to get everything right. I want to get the calls right in a timely fashion And I I feel like other leagues are more efficient at doing anything and everything than the NFL is. So it's tough because I I have no problem. I'm a defensive guy, right? So when this originally came out, I was actually very excited because I thought that there was going to be a lot of, you know, third and twelves pass interferences that you could challenge, you call back. And then you force the team to punt. So I'm, I'm excited about that. But the more I think about it, I'm trusting. I don't, excuse me, or I don't trust the refs to make the right call in the sense of physicality. When you slow things down, just like in the NBA, when you slow things down, things always look more worse, right? Yeah,
0: like, uh, like, like the last last two minutes of any NBA game is the most tedious thing ever. Unless it's like wire to wire, like they're right next to each other and score 80, 90, 90. If they're 90, 90, but there's so many timeouts, and that's what I don't like about the NBA. Well,
2: I'm not not necessarily worried about the time aspect because, again, I want to make sure, like, I mean, where am I going, right? I'm watching sports. Like, people always complain about the time, the time. Like, I don't like baseball. It's my least favorite sport because of a million different reasons, one of which, and it's the biggest thing, it's a huge rant I won't get on, but defenses can't score. It's the only sport that defenses can't score on. But I digress. I don't care how long a game is. is I want the game to be fair, and, and but efficient. I don't want to dick around for a half hour to, you know, decide a call in the first quarter. So that's why, like, maybe they – like, I there, and there's no real way to correct it because it's always going to be wrong. But the thing that I'm afraid of with this is that little things, because in the game of football you're going to – your hand is gonna. You're, you're wearing sticky gloves. Your hand is just gonna graze a guy's jersey, and you know and you might grab it, but it doesn't necessarily. There's a difference between grabbing and holding, right? And it, it might it might look like you're doing something, but in the scheme of things, if you watch it in full speed, and the guy on the other side will even tell you it it didn't affect him in the point in the in the face of the game. And so what what you're gonna see is. You're gonna see, for instance, the end of the game, a team has a challenge left. You just throw the ball to the end zone. You get a hail mary, you, and then you just throw a challenge flag, and you and you make the refs decide if, in the scrum, someone was holding someone's arm, and they might have had a chance to get the ball. And then now they field, they get it literally at the five, at the one yard line. That's the one big thing that scares me.
1: So, Glee, I actually just did the fact check there. It works like a regular challenge. You cannot challenge in the last two minutes.
2: Okay, even better. Okay, so it's up to the league then, which, again, I don't necessarily – it's the one league I really, really don't trust. Um, but it does help. I mean, again, in the last two minutes – like, I have no problem. I'm very – like, in a lot of life, I don't like roles. I like – the ability to do things, but in sports, you need when when there's a lot of fugazi out there, when something like what happened in New Orleans happens, you need a fallback where if it's under two minutes, the league can come in and And is is a uh is a coach really willing to challenge something? Like if it's second and twelve and there's a pass interference, are you willing to risk? And we'll see the first you know, first season. And like you mentioned, I forget who mentioned it, of the two of you. I think it was Paul, they don't always keep rules. So we'll see how effective it is. We'll see how often coaches go to it. Because it might be something where it's really not used unless it's really needed. Or, like I said, under the two minutes. That's the biggest thing. Well, you you just brought up a uh, a good point with the Hail Mary.
0: Now now I'm thinking there's going to be three minutes left in the game and doing a Hail Mary. Yeah. and, they're, and just incentively, instead of them not punting, they're just going to throw the challenge flag. Yeah. It's intercepted.
2: Well, and and that's why John Elway's ahead of the game because he signed Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco leads the league in those plays. He's all-time. So that's
1: it's, why, it's it's why like he's in, Yeah, it's like in the NHL when the NHL, when Patrick Waugh came in and started pulling the goalie with three minutes left.
0: He pulled the goalie with, like, six
2: minutes left. Well, it's not yeah. even – it's – yeah, I, I I don't know. I, it's just to me, I have no problem with the rule. I'm just curious about the execution. I think at the end of the day, it needs to be more defensive. But the league has gone the other way. The league is telling, the league is calling and making rules to make it offensive. So if anything, I'm scared that they need more pass interference calls. When in reality, the change should be when. You throw the flag because there was a bullshit 45-yard penalty. Or or maybe even a holding call. That's the other thing I'm really like, – and not a holding on the offensive line. Let the boys play up there. I'm talking about third and 12. There's a ticky-tack holding call on the defensive cornerback. And it's a five-yard penalty, but then it's an automatic first down. Luckily, the Jets traded Buster Screen because he would do them three times a game. But I, I can't stand that. Even It's a five-yard penalty and they get an automatic first down. Hopefully they could challenge that.
1: See, exactly. Glee, what I'm, I'm worried about for that is I'm worried almost like in the soccer VAR sense. Is Ever since they've introduced VAR into soccer, um, refs have been instru- instructed that if it's a tight offsides call and they're not sure, keep the flag down and let it play out because if the other team scores – the camera has your back, so that, I'm worried. Good. It's I'm worried it's going to lead to less um, pass interference calls because refs aren't going to be hesitant. They're going to be hesitant to throw the flag if they're unsure well,
2: because the camera
1: that. backing them up.
2: Well, why are you worried about that? Well, I, if anything, if anything, you should throw less pass interferences. Exa- that's exactly what the rules should. But that's the point, mm. in my opinion. You have less calls on the field. And so that when something egregious happens, like what happened in New Orleans, then you challenge it. What I'm worried about is the opposite. Where in the NHL they made it so you could challenge offsides, but and so you would think, oh, like
1: like keep it down.
2: You let you let the boys play. You don't call offsides as much. You let the boys play, and then you come back because hockey is a beautiful thing. Right. Where you can come back and say, oh, that was egregious. We're going to rewind the clock, go back three minutes and start play over without that, which is what they should have done. Honestly, it's what they should have like. That should be the rule. The NFL should be able to call in like, uh, who is it? The, The Rams score. They kick the ball off and the NFL should call in and be like, wait, nope, they messed up. That was terrible. Everyone go back. That was a pass interference, just like hockey does realistically that should be the rule if the league steps in and does it not the people on the field but i digress when, what, I, I, I think the idea should be that you call less pass interferences and if it's egregious then that's when the challenge comes out because again if you win your challenges you get another
1: all right i i, Glee, I, I do like that i like where you see um i see where you're going with that um rick any closing thoughts on the topic
0: No, I think we covered it. I think we should go to the next thing. All
1: right. So, boys, before we jump into a little bit of a baseball preview, it is time to once again hit the honk. It is time for bets with the goose. Enter the Eric Clapton. Uh, Glee, how are the bets looking this week, my friend? Well, gentlemen,
2: I guess we'll do a quick recap of uh, Thursday, Friday bets that I made. Uh, it was a tale of two nights. The first night, I went Minnesota, Marquette, Nova, Seton Hall, and Cuse on the spreads. Uh, went one in four. Well, one in five, because the Nova, at the time of recording, was minus five. It took a minus four, and they pushed, which was kind of brutal. So I'm counting it as minus four. Uh, or one, one to four on the night, which was not great. Um... On Friday, however, I went a straight 6-0 and um, with two, count them, two underdogs that I specifically, well, one I specifically said, I said, Liberty, you got a sprinkle. Mine at plus 240, oh, that was beautiful. And then you had Iowa plus three and a half. They were another outright winner. And then you had I had three huge covers with Texas Tech, Buffalo, and Houston, all over 12, and a half, 12 points. So finished seven and four on the first two nights. That's six and zero, oh. it's, it's it's why it's why, us gentlemen, we really do what we do, right? You go one and four the one night, the next night you go six and zero, oh, and then you're back and you're dancing.
1: Yeah, you so, got that right, dude. I got hosed a few times. I had Nova minus four and a half oh. against um, St. Mary's. The
2: half, yeah, the half. Dude, in the yeah, half,
1: I got rocked. I got rocked by like three, four halves. Well, the I'd half Wofford, point is I'd
2: woffered plus five and a half. Well, the half point is tough in other like football. It's easy, right? If it's three and a half, that half point's going to get you if you're going the other way. If it's two and a half, the half point saves you because it's a field goal, right? Yeah. I mean, barring like random scores where you only win by one or two. Yeah,
1: correct. With bas-
2: with basketball, three and a half and a, and a two and a half, like like you know, the half doesn't really do anything there. It's so that's why it's a little tough to judge the half point, um, but yeah. So I guess I'll dive in. So we talked about our bracket pick, so I'm just going to skip through that. So I think with the start of the baseball season, we should, and we'll, I guess we'll mold this into our baseball discussion. And I'll no, open that's up perfect,
1: to perfect.
2: But I have a lot some win totals, so we can we can uh, take a look at some win totals. Um, so some, some that really jumped out to me specifically were some of the terrible teams last year that their win totals either moved or didn't move. Um, the Orioles, who only had 47 wins last year, their win totals at 58.5 went up 11.
1: I don't know about you. I'm definitely feeling the under on that.
2: Yep. And it goes to my second point. The Reds, same thing. They had 67. They, and theirs there's that seventy-eight and a half. So both went up eleven and a half. So which to me is seems like a Vegas kind of systematic push, right? Like they're seeing these bad teams, they're saying, oh, they're going to come back. Eleven and a half wins is a lot of wins. I'm I'm pound. Those are my two locks. I really like those. The Orioles. I mean, they lost Machado, so who knows? It, it could be one of those things where baseball works in weird ways, where a team comes together. Dude, they're starting.
1: they're starting wow. opening day against the Yankees. They're going to do the relief pitcher strategy. They're going to have their bullpen pitch like an inning or two each. And oh, wow. All different pitchers. That's their that's, their situ- that's their that pitching
2: situation right now. Who did that last year? Well, but, but some teams, it kind of makes sense, right? If you have a bunch of closers, which, by the way, the CBA doesn't like this, uh, they, they cost less money because you pay them based on innings when you go into arbitration and things like that. So teams – it's better to have instead of five aces. It's better to have five ace closers, and you can work them around in different innings, and you and you and you keep your starters fresh because they're only pitching four. But I digress. So that that's an interesting. I didn't know that they were, because I think the Indians were the one the one team that uh, made that you know kind of hip recently. But so anyway, so I like those teams. Um, Another funny one is the Gi- the Giants. So San Francisco Giants, they were at 73 wins last year, and they're a bad team. They're a really bad team, and it didn't move at all. It stayed at 73. I think that I take the under there again because they're in a division with the Dodgers, the Rockies, and the D-backs. All three teams should be better this year. I see them slipping down. Um The D-backs are at 82 and a half. Again, just like San Francisco, that's how many wins they had last year. So if I I would take the over on them, they just missed the playoffs last year. I think that they they bump it up and I would take them there. So now I guess we'll hop into our teams. Uh, Feds, or excuse me, Paul, the Mets are at 85 and a half is their current win total. They had set. They were seventy-seven and eighty-five last year, so they're expected to do a flip by Vegas, go eighty-five and seventy-seven. What are your quick thoughts, Paul?
0: Um, well, as long as our pitching, uh, we we got rid of a lot of the dead weight on our pitching staff. Uh, plus, I mean, I, our our new closer Diaz looks great, as well as. KC, and we do have Familia pitching in the eighth inning, so we have one and a half closers there. I mean, our, with DeGrom just now signing his new contract, that that's all good stuff. As well as, I mean, one of the upsides of this offseason was we were hidden. We haven't been hitting in, in, the, in the spring league in a long time, so we were hidden. So, I mean, I'm sounding optimistic, but I think they can hit it.
2: Okay. Well, the the, the thing about that division is every team got better, right, besides the Nationals. So I think there's a lot of losses. As as there is wins to be spread out, I think there's a lot of losses that are to be spread out. So I I would take the under on every single team. The Braves won 90 games last year. They are the only team in the division to go down in projection at 85. I would still take the under at 85, even as a Braves fan. The Nationals finished in second place with 82 wins. They're, even after losing Bryce Harper, they went up to 88 and a half. I pound the under there. I think they are maybe the worst team in the division. The Phillies, 85 and a half. That's five games up on last year. Again, you pound the under. I don't... The Phillies are the one that could scare me. Could they win an extra? They went. They were under five hundred last year 80-82. Could they win another five games? It's a, that that one's a toss-up. I might stay away from that one. If I had to choose, I would go the under. The Mets, seventy-seven wins, like we said, eighty-five is the projection. I'm taking the under, and it's because I think the wild card in the division is the Miami Marlins. Vegas, as I said, the other teams, and it's really funny, the other bad teams all jumped up in their win totals by 11 games. The Miami Marlins are still at 63.5, which is how many games they won last year. I think the Marlins, if there is a lock of the records, it's the Marlins winning 64 games this year, which is not a lot. Um, any questions? Is there any other teams you guys are curious about? Oh, I, I didn't do the Red Sox. My apologies. So the I Red Sox, and then we'll head into baseball from there,
0: and then the Dodgers. I wanted to hear the Dodgers.
2: Oh, I did have notes on the Dodgers. Uh, oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Dodgers. Excuse me, I have to yank this guy up. Well, and the, the funny thing about it is, they they don't give much respect to the Yankees and all the moves they made. The Yank, I mean, and, and the Yankees and the Red Sox both went down. I mean, it's tough, I guess, to. Win over a hundred games and then expect to.
1: Yeah, dude, Boston's not winning 108 again. I can tell
2: you that. Well, so I guess w- while we're on them, Boston, as you said, 108 wins last year, 94 and a half. So 94 and a half wins. The lowest w- the Cleveland Indians won their division at 91 wins. So 94 and a half. It's a t- that's 14. 14- do, yeah, for no, me, honestly,
1: well, I think that's a bet I would stay away from. Not only because right, I yeah. – don't like betting on no, my own team number. in the first place, but – That's a perfect
2: number. Yeah, it's a per Vegas, Vegas has – that's what I'm saying. You got to go through them all. You see – like that, you stay away from that. Like 94, like you could see them having only like a 92-win season and it's still a great season. Definitely, because sure.
1: Boston's a great team, but then again, you know – You have the Yankees. You're going to probably go around 500 with the Yankees. And then a lot of people are projecting good things out of the Rays this year. So granted, you're going to beat up on Toronto and you're going to beat the living life out of Baltimore. But when you have the Yankees in your division, who are another 100 win team last year, as well as a resurgent Rays team. And you have to see the Astros, who also (laughs) were around 100 wins last year. You're in a pretty peculiar spot there, my friend. So, Boston, I would stick away. I would probably, if I had to say, I would take the under. No, that's not. No,
2: again, you're exactly right. You stay away from that number. It it doesn't make any – like, unless it's over 96, then you maybe take the under. And if it's it's around 92, you take the over. I would but agree
1: with you on that. Yes, it's,
2: not, it's a, and th- so the Dodgers, the Dodgers, they they won the division at ninety two. They were the third best team in the NL last year, ninety two wins. Do you guys want to know what the addition of Manny Machado bumped their lineup to? Oh, to the the,
1: uh, the subtraction for the Dodgers.
2: Well, did it go up or down?
1: Oh yeah, with with Machado, um, I'm gonna say. Stayed around the same. How have you gone up? Yeah,
2: 93 and a half, up a game and a half. So you're both right. It didn't move much. And the the really curious thing about it is it didn't move much, but when you dissect the rest of the division, the Rockies are getting less respect. They went down seven games from 91 to uh, 84. The Diamondbacks, we talked about it. They went down from 82 to 75. I really liked that one. So you're seeing the div- – and then there with the Giants. The Giants stayed the same. The Padres are – oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. Manny Machado left the Dodgers to yeah, the Padres. That's, that's
1: what I meant by the subtraction of uh, Machado. The
2: subtraction. So they – okay, so let me see where the Padres are at now.
1: I oh, you were talking about last year.
2: Right. No, no, my, my bad. Okay, so to recap, the whole division is being shifted down. And it's because the Padres, who won 66 games last year, moved up to 77 and a half this year. I feel like you got to take the under there, especially with a guy. What's his war? I mean, all these nerds know the statistics, right? His war was, what, five? So 66, that's, fit, that's 71. You're still six games short. What do you guys think?
0: I don't know. The LA Dodgers are arguably in the weakest position nl west and uh, 94 i i may put some money on the over and maybe parlay that with something else
2: the over the over of the padres seventy four no. i'm talking about the dodgers i'm sorry no yeah no the then uh dodgers are uh 93 and a half so you're gonna you're gonna take that they go up two games okay
0: like It It doesn't seem that unbelievable considering the division that they're in.
2: Yeah, and, well, the division's gotten worse. I mean, the Giants, Baumgartner's a year older, the Rockies and D-backs, I don't think they got any better. So even if the Padres steal a game or two from you.
0: Yeah, so I, I don't think it's that outlandish go-over. But San Diego, uh, I don't think Manny Machado is going to be that much of a difference. I, I feel like he's. he's going to get his hits, but their defense is still not there, so in their pitchings no, I, think I
1: agree with you there Rick
0: I, w- I, w- I would still take the under on the pot
1: no I definitely Rick I would definitely agree with you on that I definitely see them taking the under there um so boys that is our that's with the goose Joe Gleason uh boys we have about 20 minutes left on this week so let us jump into our baseball preview
2: Sorry, before we before we move away, one bet I just really wanted to get in there. Miami, Miami Heat plus two hundred, so two to one odds to win the division. It's the only funny division race in the in the NBA. Now they lost to the Orlando Magic, who is leading the division now with the win by a half a game last night. My, the Magic have won six straight. They're one of the hottest. They are now the hottest because Sixers have lost the hottest team in the NBA. I think the the Heat pulled off, and at two to one odds, it's irresistible.
1: Hey dude, you're right. That division is pathetic.
2: Yeah, it's terrible. You got two teams fighting for the seven and eight seed, and they're fighting for the division. It's because NBA is the three divisions, and you know it's terrible. Yeah, because
1: you look at the top four: Raptors, Celtics, Sixers are all in one division.
2: And then you got the Bucks in Indiana and the other divisions. So your top five teams are from those two divisions alone.
1: Right, and then the other teams are the Pistons, the Nets, you know, yeah. and then they're all above the Heat and the and Magic.
2: Then, you know, it's, it's bad. Yeah, it's mad. it's yeah, it's bad. It's bad. Rough. So anyway, so I like so but the but the Heat, they have good Colt. They're they're one of the best coach teams this They're a half game behind due to due to a hot team with the Magic. At two to one odds, it's one of the best things the the house is offering
1: right now. Hmm. Interesting. Thank you, Glee. So now, boys, we have about twenty minutes left. Let's jump into some baseball. The pastime is finally here. It feels like just yesterday mm-hmm. I was watching Chris Sale send Manny Machado to the ground with a slider as the Red Sox clinched the World Series. Boys. It's back. What are some headlines you're watching this year? Rick, we'll start with you. What are some headlines you're watching this year in uh, uh, I'm kind of
0: it, – it's kind of future, but I'm kind of see, wondering if they're going to do anything this year. Chicago White Sox. I feel like they they've, they haven't they have really done improvements, but they have a good uh, minor league system right now. So this is kind of future future. That's one of the things I'm looking forward to see if any of those guys jump up there. As well as you, you, alluded to it before the Tampa Bay Rays. A lot of a lot of people are autocrat this year. They, I, I don't think they're going to be as good as the Yankees or the uh, Bo Sox, but they may cause some confusion in the AL East. So I, I those are the two like underdogs I'm looking for. Uh, but. Anything else, I feel like it's going to be a pretty typical normal year.
1: I do agree with you there, Rick. I think that the Rays are going to make a lot of noise. They came on so hot last year. And I mean, realistically, if they're in any other division other than being with Boston and New York, who both won um, 100 games, who knows what their um, outcome was. If you look at the standings last year, the Rays were 90-72 and 72 and finished 18 games behind Boston for the division. If they were in the AL Central, the Rays miss out on a division title by a game. Just to look at the difference there in power. Um, so, I do agree with you there. I am interested in the White Sox as well. I feel like Cleveland I feel like their time is going to be coming to an end soon um they've been all over that division for so long especially it's a weaker division you had two teams in the division who lost 100 games the White Sox and the Royals and the Twins were in second place 13 games out below 500 so that was definitely a little interesting um how are you looking with the NL East with the uh the Mets and the addition of Bryce Harper
0: well, it's not really. A, uh, well, the Mets didn't get Bryce Harper. The Phillies got Bryce Harper. I mean, if, yeah,
1: I meant like just the addition of Bryce Harper, not necessarily the addition, but the movement of him within the division, going from the Nationals to the Phillies.
0: Uh, I mean, the Phillies were excellent last year. Um, Do I think it's going to be a complete game changer? No, but it's still going to be a threat. I mean, he's always a threat when he plays us, uh, the Mets. But I still think the Atlanta Braves are still at the top of the division, and the Mets, Mets are trying to win now, um, which is scary because you don't know. I mean, the Mets are the Mets. I mean, it's, history has proven itself. The Mets are the Mets. There's nothing more to say about that. But they is it are Bobby vanilla day yet. Yeah, it's been that. Uh, it's it's almost it's almost like we need to win now, but I don't know if we have everything there to win now. So if the Mets aren't going to win now, then it's going to look bad for a few years. Uh, Miami, really the only exciting thing about Miami is their ballpark looks a lot better because they don't have a lime green outfield and they took away that stupid statue. So, uh, I, I loved th-
2: that statue. It added heart. It was Miami. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I uh, that's really the only exciting thing out of them this year. I mean, Atlanta it's probably gonna be Atlanta, Philly, Mets, Washington, Miami.
2: Um, I think Miami beats Washington. They're gonna be bad. You think
0: you think that they're gonna be that bad just getting rid of Bryce Harper? They didn't really
2: lose a lot. Miami, I mean strength it's spring training for what it's worth, but Miami's pitching's been very good. But dude
1: Nationals pitching is still great. I mean, there, obviously, but and still, you know, Stroudsburg still hangs around. Yeah, it's a season. Yeah, stakes. <laughs> um, Glee, what's your think? What you thinking on the Braves this year?
2: Yeah, again, don't know too much. I did some research for my uh, auction draft last week. To me, like I said, just depends how the. I mean, no one knows. I mean, no one knew that, you know, Biaz and Acuna were going to be so good coming up. Uh. So it's curious to see how they do. I mean, you have some guys like uh, Teheran. I don't want to say he's taking a step back, but he's technically fourth in the rotation. You know, he should be second or third guy, considering he's a fastball. But I guess he's getting up there with age. So, But it could be a good sign of how good the rotation is. I mean, Sean Newcomb's your second pitcher. So, I don't know. We'll see. Um, I mean, it's it, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I mean, again, as I know, I'm, I'm in – Phillies and Mets territory, and it's pretty brutal, Uh, huh? So tomorrow, so tomorrow is uh, Julio Teheran against Aaron Nola in Philly. Uh, Under eight and a half would be my play there. Citizens Bank Park, a lot of home runs there, but two great studs. I I see a five to four. uh, I see like a four to two Phillies win. (laughs)
1: <laughs> honk there. So I was, it's
2: funny. I'm not very good at honking. <laughs> Rick, what you got?
0: This is kind of like off topic, but on topic. I was looking at. I was just looking at the Braves since we were talking the Braves. <laughs> Apparently, at the Braves games, they're serving this thing called. The yep.
2: Burger.
0: It's four cheeseburger patties. Yep. Long hot dog. Yup. Tenders with lettuce, tomato, onion, jalapenos. Covered in cheese sauce. Yep. Together with Texas toast. Mmm. And guess the price tag.
2: Twenty-six dollars.
0: Well, you already know.
2: Ah, damn. <laughs> Mama, Well, you get, get a free bag. You get a free bag of popcorn with it. Oh, and a side of cancer.
1: <laughs> I love that. I was going for the side of Pepto.
2: <laughs> nah, man, that that that's like intestinal. <laughs> Disease is right
1: there. I hope they have air fresheners in their bathroom. What is
2: well, so? Recap: a burger, uh, chicken tenders, kibasa. It looked like
0: it's Was a it No, it's it's a it's four patties, four cheeseburger patties. Ugh. long hot dog, chicken tenders, lettuce, mayo, onion, jalapenos, cheese sauce, held together with Texas
1: toast.
2: Oh yeah, Texas toast is just the that's the nail in the coffin right there. Yeah, if this
1: does scream. If that doesn't scream America, I don't know what
2: does. Guys, this is the podcast we need to be doing, talking about random. Like, what? what who's the one place that has fried uh, grasshoppers? It's always these ballparks, the baseball parks. Oh, I have is no it the idea. Ro- no, I think it's the Rockies in Denver. They, they
0: have. Uh... I, I feel like that has to be either. Maybe it's the Rockies. That, that feels like such a Seattle.
1: It does seem, Seattle, like very hipster. Oh, yeah. let's go to a baseball game and have fried grasshoppers.
2: Yeah, they're probably nice, though.
1: So. I mean, the I mean, minor league baseball it. team down the street, they're unaffordable. Yes, yeah, you're right. It's a pork roll.
2: You're right. It's Seattle. Seems like such a CEO. Yeah, it is. Port- yeah. Well, it's probably from Portland, and they just oozed in there, those bastards. But anyway, yeah, we – it's funny, and I guess I, we digress. If I was to do a tour of stadiums, I hate baseball. Like, it's my least favorite one. But I think that would be the tour I would do before. I mean, well, football's up there, but I I just – financially, like, how are you going to go to a game where it's, like, a terrible team and it's, like, 200 bucks and you just don't even care? You know what I mean? Like, baseball, you could do a tour because it's, like, you can hit up three games and the tickets are 30 bucks each, you know. I don't know. What about you guys? MLS
1: would be a good one. Yeah. yeah.
2: What would you say, Rick? Uh,
0: I mean, MLS, I would always love to go to a uh, store in KC. They always just seem just seem nice to go and see a soccer team. But, I mean, for for stadiums, I would love to go, go see. Uh, I mean, I was just in Atlanta. I wasn't able to... Get time out to go see the new football stadium in Atlanta.
2: Mercedes, yeah.
0: But I mean, one of the things I actually really want to do for uh, my father's birthday, probably for next year, is get him. He's an L.A. Rams fan, so get him tickets to go see the L.A. Rams in L.A. at their new stadium.
1: Very cool, dude. That thing's gonna look. So when is that? Uh,
2: that is that next season? I think that's 2020, or it might be. Yeah, 2020. That's that's what I thought.
1: Yeah, it's 2020, the structure's already going up,
2: like they've actually- Yeah, no, it takes, it. yeah, it takes, it takes a bit. That Cronky thing's- world.
0: That thing's gonna be so freaking huge that it's, <laughs> the wonder's gonna take like three years to build.
1: The two uh, wonders you can see from space, the Cronky world and the Great Wall of China. <laughs> um... No way. <laughs> yeah. That me. Um, boy, so let's run through the division. Um. I'm gonna give you the division. Give me your winner in that division and why. Um start with the AL East. AL East. Who are you could just name
0: Uh I'm going Yankees.
1: Reasons. Uh I,
0: I think they missed out on the opportunity last year. Boston was too good. And I kinda of think they're out for revenge and I don't I don't their lineup has only improved. Not much, but it's only improved. So I think it's they're in a better spot than the right now.
1: Glee, what do you take in AL East?
2: Yeah. I mean I you gotta take the Yankees. I think not to say that Mookie Betts or Jackie Bradley have like hit their pinnacle because I don't think they have, but the Yankees just have so much more talent. I, I'm just really curious. But again, the Yankees are gonna start off rough. They got a bunch of guys that are bagged up. I think uh Patanzas Severino, Aaron Hex, like a, b- a bunch of a bunch of players. Um, yeah, Sevy's already hurt. Yeah, no, they're all they're all starting off the season banked up.
0: Didn't like CC Sabathia have like CC, yeah.
2: He's in... Yeah, sorry sorry. Yeah, he's another one. So I just I mean, look, I, I think it's tough once the expectations are there, like, the Yankees were, like, two years ago, they were the golden boys, the young boys. And so I feel like the Red Sox had a chip on their shoulder, and that's why they came in and had the 108 season. It's going to be tough for them to win 100 games again. I just – and, again, I, I mean, we'll see how good the Orioles, the Blue Jays, and the Rays are. I, I'm not familiar with any signings that made them better. In fact, no, I... the, Orioles, and the Orioles lost Machado. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I would say for AL East, I mean, I'm still going with the Sox, except I think it's going to literally come down to the last day for what you guys mentioned. I feel like the Yankees have a pretty piss-poor um, injury list, but it is going to be very, very difficult because, you know, how no matter how great it is to have the rivalry back, it is just as nerve-wracking to have it back being a Red Sox fan. And I do think where Boston – Returned a lot of their talent, You the starting pitchers, you got Chris Sale has, a, has his extension, you got Nasty Nate, you got Porcello, you got Eduardo, and then obviously you have David Price, who at the end of the season and in the World Series looked like a complete um, different player. Um, Boston's whole, I said this last year, and I said this is why Boston won't win the World Series, but they ended up doing it anyway. As I said, Boston's bullpen was going to be the Achilles heel. It was at points during the season and during the World Series run that bullpen, like Joe Kelly and a bunch of those guys just came out of nowhere besides Craig Kimbrell. Well, it's fun, and it's funny now. A huge it's not team. Deals, like, bye. Yeah, Joe Kelly's gone. So the thing that's going to hurt Boston is the Wait. bullpen
2: again. Sorry, Vince. So you're telling me that I knew – Kimbrel is gone, so Kelly is also gone?
1: Yeah, Joe, we didn't re-sign Joe Kelly.
2: So who? So their bullpen is already shaky, and now it's garbage.
1: Yeah, but I think they're depending on a bunch of you know younger guys to come up, which I think they will. But to be honest, yeah, Kimbrel's a loss, but in the World Series, Kimbrel was a specialist in loading up the bases. He looked like Jerry Familia out there. No offense, Rick. Um, but um, – Joe Kelly, up until the playoffs, was horrific. Joe Kelly was a specialist at going and blow a game. Literally, a specialist in it. And then came out in the postseason and was out of control. So I think they went more on his track record of he had a a pretty bad regular season. Um, But the Yankees obviously have reloaded their bullpen, so... I'm still just going to take Boston because let's be honest, guys. Did you really expect me to say the Yankees are going to beat the Red Sox? Um, AL Central. What are we thinking?
0: AL Central. Uh, I I still think it's Cleveland. Um, it's kind of a weak division all throughout, in my opinion. But I still say it's Cleveland.
1: Who are you taking, Glee?
2: Yeah, nothing to add there. <laughs> Really bad. stinks. Division. You yeah, you have crazy.
1: three te- You have two teams that lost a hundred games and one that lost ninety eight. So you but virtually you have three yeah. one hundred lost teams in one nah, division. Nothing more there. Nah. Yeah. Simple. Uh, and I feel like the AOS like Astros.
0: Well, Seattle's up two games right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, dude. The Mariners are on pace to go one hundred sixty two and
2: zero right now. I think of the three, that's the closest one. I mean. Obviously the Rangers are terrible, but the, <clears throat> the, the angels, I mean, we'll see what they're able to do. I mean, you have a terror. I think Pujols is still on the roster, which is just brutal. I, I think he was one of like the most inefficient players in the league last year. Um, so the angels, even though they have the best player in the league, they're still there, but in the manners, like you said, they're up to, but I think the athletics could, could beat the Astros. But if I was a bad man, I would take the Astros.
1: Yeah. I
2: mean, it's pretty a- simple. I think it's Red Sox-India. I think it's a repeat, to be honest with you. I think it's as good. I think the Yankees get off to a rough start, and I think it goes Red Sox-Indians-Astros just like it was last year.
1: And then Yankees, and then maybe the Rays, or maybe the Athletics. I, I think I'd agree yeah. with you on that. Yeah,
2: I, th- I don't
1: I don't see much turnover. Rick, what are you thinking about that?
0: Uh. Well, I mean... Yeah, Albert Pujols, I think, is still technically on the Angels. I don't see him starting there. His, uh, he, he just has an awful contract that cannot be moved. So that's that's the only. Is reason. he
2: playing though? That's the difference because there, it's it's one thing to be well. He's DH for sure, right out there. But is he has like? To be. Yeah, but is he even like? I'd I'd like to see their roster, and we could dive into it as the season goes on. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, but. Uh, it's it, you know you saw and, and Mike Trout's one of those guys where it's not like Pujols. Pujols, you know he was never an amazing fielder or anything. I mean Mike Trout's one of the best athletes there is and been in the game since Willie Mays and so you give him a big contract even if he loses some athleticism you don't necessarily have to DH him every time in five years like you do with Pujols.
0: Yeah, Pujols is pro- is probably starting DH when Otani is pitching. Uh, but it looks like Justin Bohr is probably gonna be the starting first baseman there.
2: Yeah, yeah. Justin Bohr's good players from uh, yeah Marlins.
0: Yeah, he he was on the Marlins for years. So yeah.
2: See.
0: But going back, I I would say uh, Houston all the way. I would say not it not as not as good as last year, but I would say Houston is gonna
2: win that division. Yeah, I think I think the NL is more tighter. It, dude, the
1: AL is Boston, New York, Houston. That's it. Cleveland. I uh, I still lay more on Boston, New York, Cleveland there. Uh
2: yeah, I, I was saying divisions, but okay. I mean, so, so what fault. do you think for the NL? Boston,
1: New York, uh, <laughs> Houston. NL. If I had to go with the NL East, um, I said this earlier. I I'm a big guy for the uh for the Phillies. I'm a big guy for the Phillies because a lot of the Phillies moves were not only just Bryce Harper. Uh, Real Muto, you got McCutcheon. I've, I felt like the Phillies made a lot of good moves, so that's why I'm giving them the um, the NL East. And then I I do think it's gonna be a very very close competition. I think the Braves will hang up there. I know Rick. We say this every single year, but if the Mets could stay healthy, yeah, if uh, the Mets could stay healthy.
0: Yeah, I mean of of course, if the Mets stay healthy, they sh- they should be. In the top three, if not the top two of the division, but I'm, I'm still going Atlanta. Uh, I don't believe there'll be any sophomore slump for those uh, young guys that you have out there, Glee. So, and I just think they're they're overall the most solid team, the, mo- the most well balanced team in that division. And I feel like that's what you need to win the NL East, just because the NL East is just so compact with players that the Atlanta Braves will
1: win that. And I think it's going to be a very compact division all the way because I feel like you have a lot of very evenly matched teams there. Glee, what's your take, least, Yeah,
2: Ditto. It just really depends how these Phillies mold, but we won't know for about... I mean, we really won't know until the All-Star break, but for them to make up 10 games in the Braves with just adding... I mean, they added some talent, but... You have to you you can't just see the one team not adding anything like the Braves did, but not consider like Paul said. I mean, I'm as a pessimist, I'm banking on a sophomore slump, but as a realist, you have to you have to consider the fact that they're going to get better. So, and, I think the Braves still win the division.
0: And the the only thing that would keep me away, the only other thing that would keep me away from the Phillies is they don't have a true closer.
2: Yeah, in today's day and age, we'll see We'll see how that goes. I mean, a closer per se, like a closer just meant that you had a guy go seven, eight innings and he could come in for five, six. But if you're going only five, six innings with your starter, what is a closer? You know, you have three different guys out there anyway, four different guys. So we'll see. We'll see how much that really matters. I don't think – you look at the past few years. It's not necessarily they have a dominant closer. I mean, AJ Miller is what the most dominant closer, but you need to have the best bullpen and you know multiple arms. I think that's the key.
1: Um, NL Central.
0: Uh, NL Central. That that's it's going to be to pick between the Cubs and the Brewers.
2: That's tough. the
0: The other the other three: Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, and St. Louis. Uh, well, I shouldn't discount St. Louis. Uh, since then, Pittsburgh, definitely not out there. But I think it's got be, to be between the Cubs and Milwaukee. Uh, if I had to choose now, I'm going Cubs. But and honestly, to be perfectly honest, I really don't have a good reason. I just I just think, I mean.
2: They're pissed. <laughs>
0: just, yeah. yeah. I agree. They're
2: pissed. Yeah, they lost the division last year after winning the world series so you you think they have a little fire intercept that the one thing the brewers do have going for them is the young talent with yeldon and some few other guys so yeah we'll see but if i if i was to get a, a bet man i would probably take the cubs
1: and i i agree with you rick not counting out the cardinals because of their acquisition of paul goldschmidt
2: hmm. yeah oh i forgot about that
0: yeah i mean that that's that's a huge part there um but I, I still, I still think, even though I, I feel like we said this before, Saint, the St. Louis Cardinals oh, always find a way to make noise. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah.
1: But excellent I, I, farm system. Excellent farm. Well, they
2: were they, they were only out of the Wild Card by three games last year, or two games last year.
0: Yeah. It. I mean, the NL Central, and the NL East, they're they're going to be the most
1: highly competitive divisions.
2: No, sure. the, no, the West too. I guess we'll dive right into the West. I think the West with
1: yeah, it's perfect. I was gonna say let's yeah. wrap up with the NL West.
2: Yeah, Dodgers. I mean, I guess I'll start. I mean, the Dodgers and the Rockies. It's gonna be tough between the two. You, you wonder how the Dodgers are gonna react without Machado. Um, and the, you'd think maybe the Rockies jump up, but I think the Diamondbacks. I mean, to be honest with you, they're gonna be a sneaky team. I think that the, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on the limb and say the Diamondbacks win the division.
0: Mm, I, I disagree. I, I I think it's gonna be Dodgers and
1: Colorado is going to be behind by like five games yeah I'd agree with you I give it to the Dodgers I mean I think that the Diamondbacks will be good but Goldschmidt's a big loss he did a lot for that team yeah, Padres, yeah. Eh. Machado's gonna rack in the dough and not make the postseason for a while um and then yeah don't really see much from the Giants. I, I, I would arguably even give it to the Dodgers by a few more. I wouldn't be surprised if the Dodgers, they always start off slow and then they start pulling away towards the end.
0: Well, I mean, Clay, Clayton is looking to be out a, a couple games. Uh, he looks a little sore. So, I mean, they are going to start out slow without him leading the bullpen there. But I I, I think they'll recover very fast. and I mean, they even with the loss of Plague, like they they have a they have a ton of firepower still and really the only reason really the only reason why the uh, the Dodgers even went after Machado was cuz their injuries and they knew they could make it into the World Series. I, that, this is at least what I felt like. They they had all these injuries and they knew they could make it into the the postseason and to the World Series that they had to go after Machado as a rental. So even, even when Machado wasn't there, they are good. Then they got injured, so they had to pick up Machado. As long as the Dodgers stay healthy I, I throughout the season, I would say they're going to win by at least five, maybe more.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with you there. All right, boys. That is a wrap for the week. Um, great show as always. Rick, any closing thoughts for this week?
0: I, I'm just so happy it's baseball season. Also, fun thing that we should do in 2020. NASCAR just put out their schedule and the first time ever they're gonna have a double header at the Pocono race trip in the summertime. We should we should rent a camper, camp out real, real redneck it out for the entire weekend, and watch both, both races and just party.
1: Dude, I would totally do that, 100%. I would totally do that. Um, what do you think, Lee? Any uh, wrap-ups for the week? Any final thoughts?
2: Nah, I'm all good. Uh, baseball is my least favorite sport, but it's nice to have the one thing it does signal is that summer's almost here.
1: Can't wait for summer, boys. All right, so everyone, that has been this week's episode of the Wide Open Sportscast. Again, you can find us on Twitter at Open underscore sports. Look for us on Google Play, iTunes, Tune in and SoundCloud. This is Vets. I'm Rick. Goose. Have a good night, everybody. Go socks. Ugh. Could you believe these guys are our future
2: leaders yeah. in America? Thank you so very much for all the appreciation and all the great moments that we've experienced together. You stay classy. That's all, folks.